Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Covenant Renewal Worship, the steady work of formation, as read by the author, Jason Cherry. Christians no longer agree that Sunday worship is centrally important to the Christian life. This was proven when worship service were cashiered in favor of online worship in response to COVID. But the die was cast before COVID when it was argued that the church's midweek community groups, not Sunday worship, were the thing that mattered most. While we agree that fellowship is an important part of the church, we can't go along with the trendy downgrade of Sunday worship. Worship ought to be more than a few songs, a video, and a sermon that is forgotten by 2 p.m. Lord's Day worship should be a matter of covenant renewal, where God's people are shaped through affirming their covenant vows. Covenant renewal worship is how Christian formation happens. The more we hear the truth, the more we respond to it. The more we respond to it, the more it satisfies. The more it satisfies, the more we believe. So we must commit ourselves to joyful worship of the Lord. We must not devalue it. We must not ignore it. We must not close our eyes to it. Lasting formation is not quick and easy. It's a work of creation that is slow and steady. The church must retain the high calling of worshiping the Lord on Sunday. In the case of those who treat the Lord's Day service like a side dish, it needs to be recovered. So whether you are retaining or recovering, Consider three encouragements for why covenant renewal worship ought to be a central part of your family's life. First, covenant renewal worship should be a central part of your family's life because during covenant renewal worship, Christians inhabit a sacred space. There is holy ground in the Old Testament. For example, the burning bush and the tabernacle. But these concepts didn't abscond when Christ came to earth. In the New Testament, Christians are holy space. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.19, Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. But it's not just that each individual Christian is an individual temple. Paul tells the church in 1 Corinthians 3.16, You are God's temple. You are is plural. The church collectively is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Paul reinforces the point in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, when he says, You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built up together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Again, notice the language is plural, not singular. There is no longer one physical structure, like a tabernacle or the temple, where God resides. Jesus told the Jews in John 2.19, destroy the temple, and in three days I will raise it up. He was, according to John 2.21, speaking about the temple of his body. In other words, Jesus is the new temple. He dwells by his spirit within the church, as we see in 2 Corinthians 6.16. And so, <clears throat> the church is the temple of God. See this, for example, in 1 Peter 2, 4-9. through 9. 
the church is the tent of God, like we see in 2 Corinthians 5.1. And for Paul, this concept is not an abstraction. Consider the practical application of this concept. When a member of the household of faith commits grievous, unrepentant sin, Paul commanded the church to purge the evil person from among you and deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. In other words, the person was removed from the church. That is, the unrepentant sinner was removed from the temple of God, the sacred space of God. This mirrors the Old Testament understanding of holy ground. Michael Heiser explains, quote, that the Israelites viewed their land as holy ground and the territory of the non-Israelite nations as controlled by demonic gods. Israel was holy ground because that was where the presence of Yahweh resided. The opposite was true everywhere else, end quote. Just as God's presence was in the Jerusalem temple, now it is in the body of Christ. The church is holy ground. To be put outside the church is to be on unholy ground. Indeed, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 5.5, 5, it is to be delivered to Satan. Jesus said in Matthew 18.20, that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Wherever the church is gathered, whether it be for church discipline or not, they occupy sacred space. When the church gathers to worship on the Lord's day, they inhabit a sacred space and engage in a sacred activity. It isn't flippant. It isn't secondary. It is no more take it or leave it, as was for Jews going to the temple. Christ demands that we worship him in John 5.23, which means worship is a joyful duty, not just for humans, but even for angels, as we see in Hebrews 1.6. Lord's Day worship is preparation for the day that all will bow before the name of Jesus, a day spoken of in Philippians 2.10. Lord's Day worship is preparation for the fact that we will worship the Lord for all eternity, singing hymns to Christ, like you see in Revelation 5 and Revelation 7. Every local church physically gathered for worship is a holy celebration and a holy pledge of allegiance within a sacred space. The Christian ambition is to make all the world sacred space. And that doesn't start with international missionaries. It starts with the weekly gathering of the Holy Assembly. The second reason you should make covenant renewal worship central to your family's life is because during covenant renewal worship, Christians train their children how to worship. Our children learn how to worship the Lord based on what we teach them. If children are separated from corporate worship, what does that teach them? Well, it teaches them something untrue, namely that they are separate from the people of God. When God commands his people to return to him, he says in Joel 2.16, Gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber. During the covenant renewal service at Moab, Moses says in Deuteronomy 29, 10 and 11, You are standing today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the heads of your tribes, your elders, and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones, your wives, and the sojourner who is in your camp, from the one who chops your wood to the one who draws your water. We see also in Second, uh, Second Chronicles 20, verse 13, that during the reign of Jehoshaphat, the king assembled the sacred assembly to stand before the Lord, including their little ones, their wives, and their children. So children are more than a begrudged addition to the assembly. They are supposed to be there, 
with their parents, gathered to worship the Lord. Since they are part of the gathering, their role is more than just watching the adults participate. The best learning comes through doing. The children are to participate as much as able. This is part of how children learn to desire the pure milk of the word, receive nourishment through the sacraments, and sing vigorously to the Lord. The most destructive pandemic currently affront is the wimpy singing from males on Sunday mornings. This is a sickness of the church's making. Churches have willingly separated their children from the sacred assembly. Let's think about the insanity. People are at their most exuberant when they are children. People are also most impressionable when they are children. Christian parents should be directing that impressionable exuberance to belt out songs, hymns, and spiritual songs to the Lord. Before the first hymn, Dad should say to his son, Watch me. Do it like this. By keeping kids in the nursery, we've taught them all the wrong things. Could it be that the pandemic of wimpy singing started when we put our kids in the nursery? And could it be that to revive the stentorian alacrity of hymn singing, we must reinstate the exuberant children to their rightful place in the assembly? How else will they learn to sing to the Lord? And finally, the third reason you should make covenant renewal worship a central part of your family's life is because during covenant renewal worship, Christians practice activity rather than passivity. The average church service today puts the congregation in a fundamentally passive role. The audience watches the band perform, then watches the video, then watches the speaker. It's training for how to be a passive husband, a passive citizen, and a passive church member. What do passive people do? They complain. And so, on the drive home from a passive worship service, people complain. They complain about the length of the service, they complain about the song choices, and they complain about Mrs. Tuffin's outfit. Passivity is inactivity. Most people today work indoors, in a cubicle or home office, behind a desk, in front of a computer screen, sitting for eight hours a day. Passiveness hopes to add together temporary things into a sum of permanent things. But it doesn't work that way. Passiveness doesn't produce the permanence of eternity. It's sluggishness that leads to nowhere, going from one situation to another, one relationship to another, and one location to another, until you end up in oblivion. That's why covenant renewal worship requires purposeful activity from the congregation. We sing hymns congregationally, followed by hearty amens. We confess our sins on our knees before God. We rise to our feet and confess our common faith in the Apostles' Creed. We lean into the sermon. We feast on Christ by taking the bread and the wine. We raise our hands to sing the doxology and then put our hands out to receive the benediction. Passivity is all around us, but it must not be that way in the Christian life. To those who would make us passive, we must not submit for a moment. Covenant renewal worship is the weekly repudiation of the passive life. A vibrant Christian life starts with how you worship on Sundays. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's trinityreformedkirk.com. Oh,